Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P- please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. This is Ryan Archidak, and I shout out to the Bulls HQ podcast. All boy from Australia, we represent, and thanks for all the support. fans, welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the show, one where we finally, finally get to talk about a win. Thank goodness for that. The Bulls finally end their losing streak and win their first game in the Nikola Vucevic era, beating an injury-depleted Brooklyn Nets who... Uh, they were, well, they were without James Harden and Kevin Durant. I'm going to ignore that reality that those two guys were missing, and I'm going to count this as a win. Well, it is a win, but I'm going to count this as a win over a plus 500 team, and really, that's kind of all that matters at this point, given that the Bulls now are essentially one and a half, one and a half games up on the Toronto Raptors for the last play-in spot with about 24 games remaining in this season. So the Bulls really need to rack up these wins, and getting one against the Nets is always favorable. So I want to talk about... This win against the Nets, but I also want to zoom out, zoom out a bit and talk about, I suppose, the rest of the season, what, what the rest of the season may hold for the Bulls. And here to do that with me today is the OG Bulls podcaster, the host of the Bulls Beat podcast and the co-host of the Big Red Bus podcast. And more generally, one of my favorite guys and go-tos on all things Bulls, it's Doug Tonus. To Doug, how are you, sir? Oh, thank you so much. I'm sure my intro is going to be way better than Fred's. Well, funny you say that because uh, yeah, I suppose he is here. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. L- let me before you interrupt, Fred. Let me get to that. Um, and <laughs> I, I guess we should mention that uh, Frederick is here, lingering in the background. So, uh, Fred, how are you, sir? <laughs> what a classic uh, intro there, Mark, my friend of years, friend of tears. It's so good to talk to you as you've evolved into a a sergeant or colonel in the Sea Red Army. I've enjoyed your evolving positivity and uh, I think it's going to be fun today as we both take on uh, Doug's uh, descending uh, and negativity we really got to battle them together uh, but this uh, this intro is not a good start uh, for, for, for working to, for working together to uh, try to bring uh, Doug back into the light well I think it was I think it was more than fair to be honest with you but uh, yeah you make a, you make a good point and uh, we were talking about this pre-show, but uh, in listening to your respective podcasts, obviously, Fred, you're on the uh, Chicago Bullseye, but but you both obviously catch up on the Big Red Bus. That's where these two uh, these two minds meet, let's say, and, and it's been interesting listening to you both because you have been, I guess, on the opposite ex- uh, spectrum of the Vooch trade. I want to talk about that most definitely with you guys because, uh, yeah, I kind of feel like I'm in the middle where, you know, you've got... Uh, you, you've certainly got Fred on the, the the extreme end of the spectrum, let's say, where it's um, extremely C-red, uh, hyperbolic, you know, titles coming in 2023, all that sort of nonsense that we've come to love and expect from you, Frederick. But um, then we've got someone like Doug, who is probably on the more opposite of end of the Vooch trade, which um, I want to explore. And it's more interesting for me to talk about that, to be honest with you, because most people 
I have talked to about this thing uh, uh, at, at worst, a positive on it. Um, there's, like I said, there's, there's some that are maybe irrationally high about it, like someone like Frederick. But um, yeah, I want to get into that. But, but before I do that, boys, I actually wanted to, um, I wanted to posit this with you because I think I may have stumbled into what I think would be very applicable for the, uh, you know, a new jingle at least or a new intro for the Big Red Bus podcast. Like I mentioned before, you both. Uh, host the Big Red uh, Bus podcast for whatever reason. If Bulls HQ listeners are not listening to the Big Red Bus, obviously go tune in, subscribe, like, do all that sort of stuff. Follow those two boys on that podcast. But um, yeah, like I said, boys, I've, I think I've found a new jingle for for you to uh, to play on the pod as an intro. Do you, would you like me to to play it now on the show? I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are on it. I'm dying to hear this. <laughs> I, I'm not, but let's uh, let's give it a try. Well, look, let, let's see. I'll, I'll, hit, I'll hit play. Um, I, I, I'm going to torture the listeners with this particular theme, but um, I'm, I'm more interested to hear what you guys will have to say about it. But uh, yeah, let me hit play. That's 45 seconds of our lives we'll never get back. I mean, that, that's so, so disappointing. <laughs> that's a banger. That's a banger right there. I mean, is that at least it's better than Pink Floyd? I'll give it that. But. <laughs> I just, I just feel like it represents the show quite nicely. You know, you know. Uh, well, I'm what assuming the that's the main key. Sorry. <laughs> what the hell were they saying? I couldn't even make out the lyrics. I mean, it sounded ridiculous. <laughs> big red bus, a big red bus, mini, 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 and a big red bus. <laughs> Who's the mini in this? And then there was this there was a show. Ferrari in there too. There was Ferrari. Yeah, Ferrari was in sounds there. Of the oh, I thought they said Larry crashing. You know, sound, <laughs> sounds of Fred scaring people with his uh, tires peeling out. I, I thought quite appropriate. Yeah, look, we could re- we could rework the lyrics somewhat, but um, I think the main lyric there was "Big Red Bus," which is obviously why I went with this. But um, our, our numbers are pretty bad with the adolescents, so maybe we can bring that in and uh, build up our six to eight year old audience. Well, to be fair, I mean, I think that tune was more for like your your twenty four to forty eight months year olds, which um, I, I'm not sure what the demographic there is for the Big Red Bus listeners, but um, maybe that'll bring bring them through at least. Any, ironically, anytime you guess on the show, Mark, our younger audience always seems to explode. So I don't oh, know what that go. says. There the you eight go. <laughs> I, I know that. Like Peter Pan. It's, it's definitely going to be the special theme song we play whenever you join the show, Mark. When <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> it comes out. Exactly. <laughs> to bring on the big red bus theme song. That you brought up. I mean, you, you brought it uh, in, so there we go. I appreciate Anyways. it. Yeah, I'll I'll start a search uh, for your <laughs> the Bulls HQ intro. In fact, I might write one. I think. See oh, if yeah, I can that, come up with something. That might take you ten years to do that. But uh, look, I have no way, I, no no idea how to segue out of that ridiculous tune into what I wanted to discuss. But like I, I guess mentioned before, like I I guess we could start here. The Vucevic trade is still fresh on our minds. It's still fairly recent. We're five games into the experience, and like I said from the top, um, I'm interested in having a just a general high level conversation with you both about the Vucevic trade because, like I said, you're both on the opposite end of the spectrums. I kind of find myself in the middle. But um, if for whatever reason Bulls HQ listeners aren't quite aware of what you guys both think, maybe uh, you know I'll, I'll let you both. Um, maybe spend you know sixty to one hundred and twenty seconds just giving us the high level thoughts of what you think about the trade, you know, for this season, beyond this season, all those sorts of things. So maybe we can start with you, Doug, and then uh, we'll posi- we'll uh, we'll head over to you, Frederick, for your thoughts on the trade. Well, I I don't think I was very fond of the trade uh, when it when it happened. You know, to me, it was sort of somewhere like a lose tie situation where there's potential to lose really badly with this trade and. The upside to me strikes me as a bunch of first-round exits. Like, I think that's where this team is going after this trade. And I would have rather just been a team that maybe could have done that anyway, or maybe 
was close enough but had more assets and more opportunity. And and so watching how the team has played over the last five games, and I've been on vacation in Cancun, so I've not seen all of them uh, yet. I'll, I'll try and do that sometime this week if I can stomach some of them. But it it's uh, nothing has happened that's like made me feel better about it. In fact, it, you got to feel a lot worse. I mean, you know, I, granted we played pretty good teams for the most part. Uh, we did beat a uh, depleted Brooklyn team today, but with with what's happened, I mean, your record so far is worse after this trade rather than better. And I don't think it's because of this trade that that's happened, but it certainly hasn't bolstered the team in any way yet. And until that that actually changes, like I mean, the trade's an unmitigated disaster. Like, until that actually happens. I mean, I expect at some point that that should happen. You know, I, I do think they should be better. But to give up two first-round picks with very light protection, uh, that you know, right now maybe one of them projects into a lottery pick for sure. And, you know, it's hard to say the one twenty twenty-three might not be a lottery pick as well. You know, to give up two lottery picks uh, for this, like, maybe six, seven-win improvement, maybe, uh, that that's a pretty big thing to do. You know, it's just, it's like really selling up, selling out your up, upside, uh, you know, to lock in a very small gain and, uh, I'm not, not excited about it. So, uh, we'll see what happens. I, I think the window is pretty short with Vucevic. He's 30 already centers, especially ones who are really big, uh, usually don't last uh, super long into their careers. It's hard on your back. It's hard on your knees. It's hard on everything. Uh, you know, he's not a great athlete. Uh, I, I know people think he'll age well because he shoots, but no one ages well uh, when they're poor athletes. I, I mean, it's just like the athleticism hurts you even more. I, I don't know. Not a huge fan. Uh, I do think they'll be better, but not better enough to be excited about. Fair enough. Over to you, Frederick. What are your thoughts? Well, I don't care You know what it is, whether it's a TV show, a chess club, a band, or a podcast. It's going to take time to gel. I mean, you got two legends on this <laughs> podcast, and, and, and uh, Doug and I, and then Mark, you're the third guy. But this podcast has started out like a nightmare, right? So, I mean, it's going to take a little time before this to, <laughs> for this to evolve into something that's listenable. Right. Uh, and if yep. you recall the Miami Heat with LeBron and Wade and Bosh in 2011, they didn't start out great. 2010-11, I think they were around 500. <laughs> the Nets this year, they didn't set the world on fire. So I just think it's laughable that suddenly we're all supposed to expect that, you know, they come here and things are, they're, they're you know, all supposed to start playing together well. You know, vast, it's not just obviously one guy acquired in this trade. You know, we have Brown Jr. and several other pieces. It's going to take some time. But I've been very encouraged by their performance over the last few games. I think they're competing a lot at a much higher level. I think they can get whatever they want out out of the Vucevic and Levine pick and roll. It's amazing to me some of the looks that they're getting other players. I think I've been really excited about that. Obviously, there's problems defensively. But to me, it just comes down to two things. It's how quickly Pat Will evolves into that third star. Uh, I was doubtful until recently that he could do it. I now feel considerably better that he can become something special. Or number two, how quickly we can acquire that third star, whether it's a, a Beal or you know, a host of other really talented players who are tired of losing. You know, it's going to be one of those two things. And I think the Bulls are finally in position. In order to acquire a third star, it's a lot easier to do when you already have two as opposed to one, right? So as great as Thad Young is, he's not an all-star. We need three all-stars to be a championship contender. And, um, you know, the only the only question I have is how quickly Pat Well can do it, right? If that's our path, he's, you know, he has games like today where I didn't think he played – particularly well, but you saw the previous two games, you really saw him evolving into something special. And the guy has just so many tools. It's unbelievable. Just need, I, I, I tweeted this. I think you need a coach just to walk around with him all day and tell him how great he is and to believe in himself. That's his biggest issue to me is a lack of confidence. But, you know, one of those two things is going to happen. Beal's got a year left in you know, for the Wizards. I, I don't see any reason why, you know, a really talented player, I, I, hold on to your seat here, Mark, Let's say Chris Paul's contract is up with the Suns. Why would he not consider the Chicago Bulls as a possible destination? Why wouldn't you know a guy like Kyle Lowry look at the Bulls and say, you know, I think I want to go here? There's plenty of really good players who are near the end of their careers that would absolutely look at the Chicago Bulls as a destination now. Yeah, it's interesting because like I kind of thought, and based on what I've listened to from your both pod, well, on the Big Red Boss, but you know your specific podcasts. Yeah, it's it's interesting that I still find myself in the middle of both what you just said there. Like we, we spent the last five minutes or so going over what you both think about the trade, and I think you both make good points, which is why I find myself 
in the right side of uh, the, on the right side of the argument where I kind of feel like I'm I'm in the middle and I think that's the right place to be because I certainly understand what you're saying Doug from like an asset point of view and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth but like is that your biggest concern with it the fact that the Bulls gave up two future first round picks is that fair to say or maybe I'm misrepresenting that I, I think it's fine to give up two future first round picks but you should get something really good back and yeah. I just don't think Vucevic is that good. Like you, okay. we referenced the three all stars Fred did, and I wanted to just scream and interrupt him, but out of respect to you, Mark, I didn't do that. <laughs> but like you know, comparing LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade, and uh, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving to Zach Levine, Vucevic, and a player to be named later is just ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's a ridiculous comparison. I mean, like those you have three guys who are first ballot Hall of Famers in those other two situations. And you have two guys who are complete fringe all-stars, three all-star appearances in 17 seasons. Like, it's it's just not the same. This is not going in on two, like, super legit all-stars, which is the core of a big three. It's, it's, it's a core of, like, a big three in Minnesota when it was, like, Levine, Wiggins, and Towns or something. I mean, this is not, like, a superstar-built tandem for huge success. Like, yeah, they'll be better now that we can be the Pacers or something. Like, that's great. You know, we gave up all of our upside so we could be the Pacers for the next three years and then rebuild with nothing. Like, that's just that's just the the way it might go. You know, I'm a little hopeful in some ways. What could happen is we could actually be bad enough to, to not make the playoffs and win the lottery because the lottery odds are so weird now. And then if that pick is protected and then actually get a star, that's, that's actually probably the most likely way this trade works out uh, for the Bulls this year. Doug, yes. yeah, hold on a second. Let me just – I got to jump in there. My point wasn't that this isn't the 2010 Heat. My point wasn't that it wasn't the Nets this year. My point was both those teams with far more talent started out terribly. And everybody's walking around with their hair on fire because the Bulls haven't exactly, you know, dominated since the trade was made. But the fact is, you're holding Vucevic. He's an all-star. What are you acting like that guy's some kind of Luke Longley? He's not Luke Longley. He's He's an all-star. He's got incredible Luke Longley. Two out of ten years, he's an all-star. Super legit. Just like like in As long as it's this year, that's all I care about. Just like that LeBron, Harden, Durant, Wade, Bosh, all those guys, they were all-stars about two and ten years, roughly 20% (laughs) of the time. I mean, pretty much like all the teams at the top of the league, they got guys who are 20% all-stars. Like, that's just, that's the guys who lead you to the promised land, guys who make it two out of ten years. Well, Vucevic is a first-time All-Star this year. That is correct. But the reason he's an All-Star is because he's played freaking awesome for a team with very little talent around him. Now you're bringing him and Levine together. I think good things are bound to happen. And I... If you watched the last few games, Doug, I'm telling you, you would feel uh, warmth inside you at the looks they've been able to get out of that pick-and-roll combination. Now, there are concerns on the defensive men. I'm not going to deny that, and we, I'm sure we'll get to that today. But this is a start of something that I really believe this. I think there's few offensive combinations in the league that are going to be more fearsome than a, than a Vucevic-Zach Levine pick-and-roll because you can get whatever you want out of it. And unfortunately, we've had the, the team so far in the last few games has missed great opportunities for what they've done out of that pick and roll. But we couldn't say that two weeks ago. What we're we going to say, as much as I love Wendell Carter Jr., he wasn't exactly setting the world on fire. And today was a, a an absolute perfect example of how good Vucevic is. And I, don't, I, I, I was just watching the game. I, I literally had tears in my eyes because I haven't <laughs> seen anybody outside of Zach Levine do that consistently. And he, you can throw the ball to him in the post. You're gonna something good's gonna happen all the time. When was the last time we said that? Probably since yeah. Michael Jordan, 1997. To be honest with you, can I ask yeah, you both? Yeah, 100. Can I ask you both one question? And, sure. and Mark, maybe I, I may have asked Fred this already, so you can go first on this, especially since it's your show and we're just shouting over you. <laughs> um, all right, one. The fairness of the best is, show he's had. In this, a is, this is this is two. <laughs> it's a two-parter. So one. Uh, what do you think the Bulls need to do in the next three years results-wise for this to be a success? And two, do you think they'll do that? And I know I asked some real GMs, so you may have answered it there. But I think that's really like when people say, like Fred brought up a lot of things, we can do this now, we can do that now. But in terms of team success, what do the Bulls need to achieve in the next three years to look back at this and say, yep, that was a good idea. And I know there'll probably be a follow-up move, so we can assume there's some follow-up move. We don't know what it is, but there'll be something. What is the ultimate team success this needs to be a part of, uh, and, and will they reach it? So this is this is where I sort of merge both of your points, and, I, and this is why I think you both raise fair points. Because to me, 
I don't know how much better this has made the Bulls in the sense like from chasing a championship, let's say. Like assuming the previous team as it was assembled, at max, I thought that would be like a first round out type team. That's that's where I had them now. For me, based on where I think this Levine Vucevic combination could go, I think you could make a second round and potentially an Eastern Conference final finals, depending on matchups. And I say that not because I think the Bulls are going to be an incredible squad with these two together, and you know, depending on what else happens around them, but just due to the fact that the East is still garbage. I mean, the team that's fourth in the East right now is just just a game or so over five hundred. So, you know, if the Bulls next season were to work their way into the fourth or fifth seed, you know, they play play off against a team like that, where you know, there's only two or three teams in the East who are real contenders. Let's say. If you get that 4-5 matchup, you win in your first round, you go through to the second round and, you know, you've, you've got to the second round, let's say. So I think they have made themselves better in the short term in terms of what they can do in the playoffs. I think there are still some opportunities, let's say, to continue to add to this team, which is why I take Fred's point on that one. Like, that that does make sense. But I also agree as well, like, the team that we're sort of looking at right now isn't the finished version. I'm, I'm expecting follow-up moves, and AK has sort of alluded to that in, uh, uh, as well. But the, to your point, though, like, there is a path where this doesn't work for the Bulls if they don't get that third guy, if they can't necessarily manufacture a scenario where they can bring in another free agent. And I don't know if that's going to happen in this offseason just due to their cap position. They're probably at most can get to like 20 million in space, which isn't going to get you another star. And, you know, where is that other star going to come later on? You're probably going to have to trade for one. And if you want to trade for one, you're going to have to trade Patrick Williams for another star sort of thing. So I guess I take both of your points that I think, I I definitely do think we're in a better position than where we were sort of positioned previously, just due to the fact that those Garpacks draft picks, I don't think we're amounting to much. But um, in terms of, you know, Going on a like a win now path where titles are going to come with with the Vucevic and Levine type combination, whatever else follows thereafter. Then I don't think that as well. And uh, I definitely take your point where you know Fred was maybe being a bit overzealous with the the those some of those comparisons before. But like I made this com- uh, this comparison pretty much the the day the trade happened. I had Trey Kirby on the pod last week where he made a similar comparison. But like if the Bulls can be a version of the Denver Nuggets in the Eastern Conference, like. That's a good squad. Like it could win like fifty games. It probably never wins a title, but if it can get to the second round, you know, a couple of years, maybe squeeze in an Eastern Conference Finals, but maybe maybe doesn't amount to anything more than that. I would be happy. Yeah, and Doug, let me ask you a quick question, and this is for you too, Mark. If you look at the Eastern Conference today and the Bulls as they currently stand, there's really only three teams, maybe four, that you can unequivocally say are better than the Bulls. That's it. That's it today. And my, uh, yeah. what do you mean no? What do you mean no? It's the 76ers, today? the I Nets, mean... the Bucks. Those three teams are clearly better than the Bulls today. I and also, Miami. and Miami, I'll throw my, Miami as the fourth team, even though they recently lost six straight. They've won four in a row. They're 26 and 24. Jimmy Butler isn't getting any younger. Outside of those four teams, I, I don't want to, I don't want anybody to tell me the Celtics are unequivocally better than the Bulls. How's that? They're 25 and 25. They've been, they had the same basic lineup all year. This team has has not had a chance to gel yet. I'm just saying, I think the Bulls are right there already. And so that's why to me, this was like a no brainer, right? Now you've gone from one to two all-stars and now you just need one more star to make yourself, put you into that top one, two, three, four. And I, and then, and, Everything depends on who that fourth guy is. If it develops within, and I think Pat Will can be that guy, or you have to trade Pat Will in your 2022 first-round pick to get that guy. At least now you're in the conversation where you weren't before. And we could talk. That's all I ever heard is we need to look into the distance. We need to collect draft picks. We need to let's go for another. None of that's guaranteed. None of that's going to guarantee that we're going to be in the top four. This was the best way to do it, to make it happen now for a long-suffering fan base that hasn't experienced excellence since 2017. I'm going to put that on hold for one second. So, Mark, just to get back to what you said, uh, your view of success then sounds like it would be if they make the second round twice or more and possibly an ECF. Is that fair? Yeah, I think I think something something similar to that. Like if we think about that fifty win Bulls team where you had Jimmy Butler, you had Pau Gasol. I like agree that with would that. be a good team. If the Bulls yeah. do that, if they make the second mm-hmm. round twice in the next three years, I'll say, yeah, that was a good move. Like I'm I'm not in the championship or bust category. I'm not saying yeah. like don't do something just because you're not going to title. If you're just mm-hmm. in championship or bust, you're gonna always do bad, dumb things 
because they make you 1% better at winning a championship, but they make you 99% better at being miserable. Like, I don't want that. So I'm fine having a team that I could just enjoy wins around 50-something games for three, four years in a row. I would view that as a success. I don't think the Bulls are there. I think, and this is why I'm more down on the trade, maybe I actually agree with, with you with what the bar is, and I don't know, Fred, if you agree with that same bar, but I think, to me, I don't think this team makes it to the second round. I don't think they can beat the top three teams in the conference. I don't think that they will make the fourth seed and then beat the fifth seed or be the fifth seed and beat the fourth seed. If they do make it to that 4-5 matchup, they definitely will have a chance. Whoever's at the 4-5, Fred, to your point, is not like head and shoulders above the Bulls. Like I, like I'd probably say Miami's better. I'd probably say Boston's better. But I take your point that it's not like either of these teams are setting the world on fire right now. Uh, you know, I, I don't know why you're complaining about Butler's age and you think Vucevic's age is not an issue. That's a strange one to me, but leave, <laughs> leave that where it is. Um, you know, like I, I, I take your point to me, if they make it to the second round twice in the next three years, this year counting as one of those three under Vucevic's contract, I'll, I'll view this as a success. If they do that, I, I think the odds of that are very low and that that's assuming they make some other follow-up move. You know, I don't know what that other follow-up move would be. None of us do. But based on the assets we have, I just I don't think there's, like, really exciting follow-up moves. Like, I don't think the follow-up move is Kawhi Leonard or, or Giannis or something. I mean, there's just – we don't have the assets to pull off that type of move anymore. So whatever the move is, if it's for another all-star, it's going to be an all-star in the same barely quasi one-year-and-five type all-star like Levine and Vucevic are, not in the every-year, you know, top-10 type of all-star that's really leading teams – uh, very deeply into the playoffs and and into greater success. Well, l- l- let's divert away from that and let's let's talk about where you know where that may come from, like how the Bulls continue building their team around Vucevic and Levine. Because to me, guys like Larry Markin, guys like Kobe White, anyone that was maybe previously connected to the Garpax regime, let's say, like those guys are seemingly the options as to how you. You start restructuring, you know, the, the team that will be around these guys because I don't know what what the Bulls are going to be doing with Lowry Markin and well, more so Lowry. Uh, Kobe's obviously still got two years left on his deal, but they're seemingly were trying to trade Lowry. They were trying to trade Lowry to get that third guy, or maybe not a third guy, but at least a fourth guy. They're trying to trade Lowry for someone like Alonzo, let's say. Maybe they're they're looking at dealing Lowry for someone else, another guard. But seemingly he's on his way out in Chicago given the fact that he's been relegated to a bench position of our four bigs that played against the Nets. Uh you know, Larry twenty three minutes, Daniel Tice twenty four minutes, Thad Young twenty two minutes. So at that point like Lowry's essentially just a backup option. And really the only reason he's playing that many minutes is because he's being squeezed in a small forward as well, which I want to talk about as well, because I think that's kind of moronic. But anyways, beyond that, clearly like Lowry's not long for the Chicago. I'm assuming that's going to be the case for Kobe as well. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, the futures of Lowry, Kobe, etc., And can the, or should the Bulls be looking at moving those guys on to, to make best of this Vucevic and Levine pairing. Let's start with you first, Fred. Uh, no one's been more unfairly vilified this season than Kobe White. He had the hardest job. He was asked to do something he really isn't, which is a pure point guard to learn that position, to start out in that position and, and succeed in it. And he's failed miserably, no, no denying that. But he's 20 years old. He's averaging 14.8 points, shooting 90% from the free throw line, 35% from the three-point line. Um, yeah, he's made a ton of mistakes. He's way too loose with the ball, and he's he had far too many turnovers. But he's been buried at the age of 20, and I'm just mind-blown at how many people have just said this guy's you know, not not long for the league anymore, and basically they want to get rid of him. I, I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, to me, at worst, he'll be a good player off the bench as a six-man. At best, I think he still has the ability to become an all-star. Not a not a multi-year all-star, but, you know, a very good player in the NBA. Um, and, you know, recently he's been hurt. You know, he's, he's been missed a few games with this weird neck, neck issue. And But, again, I just – I don't think they've done him any favors by putting him in this situation, putting him in this position, and, uh, you know, trying to ask him to become more of a facilitator and do something that he's really not. So – yeah, they could move him, but I still think he's a good player and a good piece, and he's way too young to already declare him dead. Laurie Markkinen, uh, most disappointing, arguably, bull for me in the last 10 years. I thought he had top 10 talent when he first jumped into the league. 
Uh, I can't believe how bad he's looked in the last 10 to 15 games. He's down to 38% from the three-point line, which sounds great, but considering where he was at before, I don't see how anyone can be just, you know, anything but disappointed in how he's performed. Defensively, he's been an abomination, uh, especially since coming back from this latest injury. So with that said, I don't believe in letting guys walk for nothing. If his, this is a really important conversation I'll ask both ask both of you guys if the Bulls offer him 15 million and he's willing to sign per year you're going to let him just are you you're just going to say no like I still think he has value I think there's something in Laurie you know Laurie Markin can be a good player in this league and I don't think it's good for the future of the organization to let him walk for nothing and I would sign him for 15 million now if somebody's going to come out there and offer him 23 24 million well good luck pound sand you, you know we'll see you later but the way he's played recently, I think it's entirely possible he might get the Bertans contract. I would still offer him that. And, and I don't understand the thinking that you should just let him walk for nothing. I mean, letting him walk for nothing isn't necessarily your choice unless you want to match any contract. Like just saying, yeah, I'll take him if he's willing to sign a deal that I think is below market value. Okay. And I don't know what that number is. But here's the thing. If you're the high bidder on someone, you're usually not below market value because someone will bid more than you if you're below market value and you won't be the high bidder anymore. You know, free agency is typically where the worst deals in the league are made. If you're a non-max, uh, above mid-level exception player, those deals are almost always very poor. Though Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic are two examples of uh, deals that are not poor, actually. So uh, maybe the Bulls will just uh, get lucky with lots of guys in that, that boat. Uh, in that sense, I think it's just unlikely you're going to be able to get a good Lowry on a good deal. If you could, I'd, I'd be okay with it. At $15 million, I'd be okay with it and hope that he's still still an asset. Uh, the thing I would probably look to do with Lowry is find a team that wants him and try and orchestrate a sign and trade where you don't take anything back. You maybe set, send that team a second rounder, you get back a second rounder, and now you got like a $20 million trade exception, which you can use at the deadline to take a player without bringing in any salary. I think that is probably a better scenario than trying to keep Lowry on a deal you like or you know try and find a sign and trade where you get assets back that's very rare. Or keep him because I just think he's a very poor fit. Getting back to Mark's greater point, I think with with Vooch and, and with Levine, you probably want to get guys who are three and D type players, you know, on the team. You definitely need guys who can hit um, hit some shots and space the floor for these guys a little bit. But you really, really need defenders, and and maybe you get a power forward, and maybe Pat Will is already that power forward in a year. Uh, that can help cover up a lot of the defensive issues that Vooch, uh, Vooch is going to bring to the team. Uh, but I, I think that's probably the main thing you got to do is figure out how to get, you know, guys who are a little bit more defensive, who still can space the floor, do something and, you know, start building around these guys with people that, that fit better with them uh, than some of the guys they've uh, had. Yeah, for sure. And like when when I think about Larry Markin and when I think about Kobe White and, you know, maybe what they potentially could be or what we hope they could be, like on a good day, maybe if you squint hard enough, maybe prior to Zach Levine's explosion this season, maybe you could talk you talk yourself into Kobe White being what Zach was, you know, a season or two ago here in Chicago. Similarly for for Lowry, like in, if in terms of what he could be as a, a a big in this league, you would hope he could transfer over to center. You could hope he could space the floor and maybe do some things in the post. Obviously, he hasn't necessarily shown all those things, but maybe he could be some facsimile or some version of Nikola Vucevic. Now. Given that you have Vucevic and Levine on the roster, like guys like Lowry and Kobe, are just completely redundant in my my opinion. So, like, I, I don't see a future for them in Chicago. And really, like, of all the players that matter in the rotation right now, so I'm going I'm going to exclude guys like uh, Ryan Archidiakono. And sorry, Fred, I'm going to exclude someone like Denzel Valentine too. But like, of all the players in the rotation that matter, let's say Kobe and Lowry are the worst players in the rotation. That. To me, like that, that's that's just fact. Like I, I don't know how you could argue otherwise. And like, I'll, to, to give you some numbers, over the last fifteen games, Larry Markkinen thirteen point six points per game, shooting forty three and a half percent from the field, thirty five and a half percent from the three point line, which is essentially his career averages. Kobe White last fifteen games, eleven point six points per game, thirty eight percent from the field, thirty four point nine percent from the three point line. So these guys are like offensive first players not necessarily giving you much offense or consistent offense. And if you can just change those guys or replace those guys 
guys with steady veterans who can just come in and do their thing. Maybe they're not world beaters, but they raise the floor of this basketball team. So I, I, I'm, I'm most certainly um, looking to move on from these guys. And to answer your question, Fred, as to you know whether you sort of bring back Larry, whether you just let him go and those sorts of things. Well, a, a couple of things. First, the Bulls need to work out you know, how they want to operate. Do they want to be a team that operates above the cap or below the cap this season? Do they want to be a, a cap space team or not? And that, I guess, is or part of that answer to that question will be determined by what Lowry does. But like, I think Doug's right. Like if you can trade uh, uh, Larry Markkinen for a piece, preferably, you know, Lonzo Ball or Malcolm Brogdon, let's say, like that would be ideal. But if you can't do that, then you trade him for a trade exception. Like that's an extra asset or an extra tool that you can use to, to get better. But at the same time, like I, I'm not opposed to letting Larry walk because if you let him walk, then you basically can gain up to $20 million in cap space depending on what you do with the rest of your roster. And maybe there's someone out there that you can get in free agency. It won't be a star, but maybe it's a role player that makes more sense to this roster that you could use by just letting Larry walk, freeing up that cap space and signing that guy. So No, that's insane. That's insane. It's not. That, it's that's not. A, hold on. I have to make this point. That's a mistake. If if it gets to that point where no, I'm just saying it's a mistake uh, Arturus would make if he signs with somebody else. Somebody gives him 15 million per year. They let him walk for that for nothing. That's a mistake because you cannot tell me based on how the Bulls treated this guy, set him up for success in everything they said publicly and what they did on the court. For this, no player has been set up more than Laurie Markin in this season. I mean, it seems like to me, like the entire offense to start out in the first quarter is, is built around let's make sure Laurie gets a good look, and you're going to let him walk for nothing at the next at the next off season. I'm sorry, as Doug said, you should have got at least a second round pick or made trade him for whatever. Then, and if that's the end game that you're just going to let him walk for nothing for cap space, that's that's as bad as anything Gar Pax ever did. That's as bad as letting Ben Gordon walk for cap space. That's as bad as letting uh, – who's the myriad of other players they let walk for nothing? There's there's another player I'm sure the Bulls – I'm missing here who the Bulls let walk for nothing and, and previously. It's – I think that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem if that happens. Or, no, it's not a problem. You just got to admit it. We handled it wrong. Well, if it's Do 20 million – you agree million, with me on If it's 20 million and instead of 15 million, then, then what? I mean, like you just, I, I still you just... think at 20 – I still think at 20 million – there's going to be a team that be w- willing to look at Laurie Markkinen as an asset and you trade, you can include him in a trade like the Bulls did this year for Vucevic, right? That's my point is like Laurie Markkinen and then another piece, whether it's Pat Williams for that third star, Laurie Markkinen and whoever it is. So what if but it's you have to have assets to move. Million? What if it's 25 now, million? Then, then you say goodbye. Then so I understand. I guess all I'm saying is the price that he's going to get is going to be more than you want to pay based on where he is at the end of the year. And that is true because it's true of basically every free agent that's not a max guy. Because the free agency is built around the idea that whoever bids the most, whoever wants him the most, whoever likes him more than every other team in the league is, is going to get the guy. And there's a lot of money out there this year, and there's not a lot of quality players. So it's not like one of those things where sometimes guys are squeezed. He's just going to get too much money. And, and if you get the trade exception... And now at the deadline, you can take on $20 million without sending anything. That gives you a lot of flexibility. Like, I agree. You would like to have done something more, but Lowry just isn't that valuable. Like, people are hanging on to this idea that, like, guys around the league love him or that teams are going to do all this stuff. If he was really valuable, he'd already be gone. But I disagree with that. He isn't. No, shooting, he's shooting is valuable. valuable. Don't, don't tell me he's not valuable. valuable. Doug McDermott's going to get a, a, a $12 million contract Fine. this he's off Doug season. McDermott valuable. I mean, well, he's $12 million valuable worth. I mean, come on. Laurie Markin is a better player than Doug you McDermott. Can't tra- he's, he's, he, the position he's in, that doesn't make him valuable because he's a free agent. He's a restricted free agent. It's not like you can just turn around and do anything with him now at this point. All right. We buried Laurie Markin to the point. This is getting absolutely freaking ridiculous. He's not uh, <laughs> Felicio. All right, can we at least agree with that? I'm not even a Laurie Marketing well, fan, wanna, and I'm coming in here. Well, you want to give him $80 You want to give him well, $80 million. So, I mean, of course he's I, not Felicio. You want to give him like, way I, more I, than that. I don't want to give him $80 million. I just think that I would give him uh, – well, maybe if he, if he keeps on playing as bad he, as he has in the last 10 days, we don't have to worry about it. I think we'll all agree nobody's going to give him $20 million. Yeah, and then neither should we. We shouldn't give him anything exactly. if he's going to play that bad. He's a terrible fit on the team, and so he's not going to play better later. Like, he's going to continue to play really bad because this is like the exact opposite of what we actually need. 
So is so, is a terrible fit right now. Has he played bad all season? No. Has he been he's terrible had two all seasons, season? Basically, he's had two seasons. He's had I, you know first twenty odd games six, was good. Have we lost our collective minds? He's averaging sixteen point seven points per game. Even I, who is I'm not in Laurie's army, but overall this season he has not been terrible. Can we all agree to that? Yes or he no? He has not been overall terrible, but he's been extremely no. inconsistent, just like he always has been. So, As, Yes, that's true. L- but- l- let me position it this way. Well, firstly, let me say this. I-, I-, I love when you yell, Fred, and I say that because we were listening to the latest episode of Big Red Boss, and it was when you did the, the-, the nights of the uh, round ball table, let's say, with uh, with with um, Big Dave and C-Dub. And uh, we were listening into the, in, into, in the car the other day and um, my wife goes, who is this guy yelling? Who is this guy yelling? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, that's Fred. That's Fred. Uh, she's like, oh, is that him? Yeah. Wait, Anyways, was, it, was it in a fond tone? Because sure, you sure didn't make it sound like it was in a fond tone. No one well, says, who how. is this I... guy yelling in a fond tone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, one, no one's like, you know what? I really I like I this said. guy yelling all the time. I mean, maybe yeah. Stephen A. Smith is pretty popular, so I guess there's at least one you can. Have uh, you ever seen the Rodney Dangerfield movie with Sam Kinison? Uh, I thought that was a good scene. I said, "Who's this guy yelling?" I thought I enjoyed it. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Back to school. Back to school. You ever yeah, seen yeah, that yeah, scene? yeah. He's got the, the triple Lundy. I mean, we all remember the triple Lundy. <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about, but I just thought I'd, I'd throw that out there because I, I found that amusing when we were driving, and it just you know when you were yelling there about Larry, it made me thought about or made me think about that point rather. But getting back to the point, let me let me say this because you you took exception to my idea of just letting Larry walk, and whilst it's not necessarily my preferred option, obviously if you can trade him and get something back for him, that's ideal. But if the Bulls want to get cap space this offseason, part of them doing so is like by letting Larry walk, let's say, or that's an option, like just getting rid of his $20.1 million cap hold. Like that's how they get to a point where they can get to a, a nice, decent number in cap space. And like if, if AK is working the phones, thinking about all the potential scenarios he can get, like if you can get a Thad Young level free agent, let's say, not necessarily at power forward, but someone you know, at the guard position or at the wing position, whoever that player is, I've got no one some just popping off my mind just now, but just in a hypothetical world, like if you can sort of engineer a situation where you can get a Thad Young level player into the Bulls and the way you do that is by just letting Larry go and in, in doing so creating enough cap space to sign that type of player, then why is letting Larry go such a bad decision if you can get because- or if you can use the cap space that you would... Um, to get in a player like that. Like, it's not a bad situation. Because the scenario that you just outlined where you have this massive cap space and you sign a premier free agent for nothing doesn't happen, Mark. That's not the way it happens. I I didn't say premier free agent. I said a Thad Young level free agent, which is a good role player. Like, that's that's not going to get us to where we want. That's not going to get us to where we want. Lowry's going to get us where we want, though. And Antonio Davis, uh, Antonio Davis, a, a Davis type of trade, is going to occur when you have assets to send to a team, multiple assets. It's not going to occur because you have $40 million in cap space. That's A backup that you're paying $20 million is not going to do it. Well, he'll be part of a piece. He'll be part of a group of players. He won't will... be a valuable part. A team, trading a, a team trading a superstar is not going to be like, oh, man, I'm super happy to have Lowry Markkinen on a deal that might be bad or might be not so bad. Maybe it's quasi-okay if he turns around, if he stays healthy. I mean, he was good for about two months this year. I mean, just like February from, you know, two years ago that everyone loves to bring up. Like, he's got now three good months in his NBA career that he's managed to string (laughs) together. So, you know, just I I think other teams will be hanging on that one, too, just waiting to see if he can put five of them together in one year. He's not that different than Josh Hart and, and Lonzo Ball and all those other pieces yeah, that no were one sent wants to those guys to, at eighty to, million dollar deals as assets. No one, no one. He's wants not that much different that much. than those guys that were sent to the Pelicans. And I understand what you're saying. Yes, he's not going to be. He's not going to be eighty million dollars if he keeps on playing this way. Yes, and then if he, he won't is, be worth ten million dollars. He won't be worth a forty million dollar oh, contract. Whatever, worked. whatever you sign him to, if he keeps playing this way, he won't be worth it. Like right. if you say, oh, he's going to be really bad, but then he'll be worth it as if he wasn't really bad. Like you can't play it both ways. If he's really bad at the end of the year, then yes, you can sign him for less. And he's also worth a lot less. It's not like, well, now we got him on a great deal and he's going to turn it around while he's an awful fit on our team. Like, no, he's well, either going to be good and worth something or he's going to be bad and not like it's not. He's going to be bad, but worth something. That isn't how it works. 
even the stad young player that Mark is talking about is going to require a player like Lori Markinen. The ball boys, if they want Lonzo Ball, they're gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be Lori Markinen and a young piece for Lonzo Ball. That's a sign and trade. That's what's gonna happen. It's it's not like it's it's not just gonna happen if with without pieces like Lori Markinen. You think he's worth a lot less than I do, and I'm not even a fan of his. But I still think he has value in this league. He can shoot as a big, and he's still shooting 38% on the season. Yes, not enough value lasting. to be traded at the deadline. Not enough value let, let, while let they're me, actively trying to trade let, him. Let, let's move on. We're just running into a brick wall with this one. But I, <laughs> I think we both agree. Uh, we'll agree to disagree, and we'll move on. All right, fair enough. In the interest of time, and just because I've kept you guys long enough, and like just in the interest of, again, making Fred mad, I thought we could raise a couple extra topics here, and then I'll let you guys go. But um, <laughs> Fred, what are your thoughts about Troy Brown Jr. getting all of Denzel Valentine's minutes for the remainder of <laughs> the season? First of all, I'm nowhere near done with any of these topics. We're not going to talk about Lonzo Ball? Are you kidding me? Like this is. Well, a- what do you want to talk about Lonzo Ball? Right, right, first of all, let's go back to Troy Brown Jr. Number one, I was extremely <laughs> excited. I was extremely excited with how good he played today, and I realized what Troy Brown Jr. is. He's one of these guys who's an excellent one-on-one defender. But as I pointed out in his first game, I can't recall who that was with. The Suns, it was all a continuing nightmare the last couple of weeks. The Suns game, he gave up two back doors, and uh, his his own the guy he was assigned to had a tip in in like a seven-minute span. It was the I Warriors game. It was, it was the, the Warriors. Warriors game. It was the Warriors game that I highlighted for you. He's got all the tools. He's an excellent defense. He's got, like, as far as one-on-one defense, he's going to be great. But when it comes to those type of issues, I think that's the reason I'm saying it's probably likely that stuff drives coaches nuts. It's probably likely that's the reason he was out of rotation in Washington. So in a game like today, he was awesome. Why? Because they had Kyrie Irving and no one else, and they said, hey, you stop Kyrie, do your best to stop him, and you don't have to worry about team defense. You don't have to worry about anybody, you know, getting a backdoor He's going to do fine. He did great today. No doubt, no denying it. But I tried to show you some of those issues there, and I think I'm. I don't think the coaches in in, in the organization in Washington was dumb. So I'm not looking at looking at him as some kind of savior. Um, but you know, Denzel Valentine has has played very solidly the last couple of games. I know this is what you do for likes. You fish for likes. <laughs> it, this is what you like to do. Let's rip on Denzel. All the mouth breathers jump on. Yeah, Denzel sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know what you do. This is fine. Oh, I, yeah. I get it. I get it. Denzel Valentine's a fine player, and he's the best post passer on this team, which is probably a reason why you'll see him playing more and more. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, well, let me, let me just point out that today, 28 minutes for Troy Brown Jr., 11 minutes for Denzel Valentine, and um, wasn't for the <laughs> finest game for Denzel Valentine today. I'm just trying to pull it up, but essentially in the second quarter there, he had a he had a couple a successive possession where he had an isolation play. It was the, like the worst 25 seconds I've seen from a ball all season. He had a terrible isolation play, just clanked in an absolutely terrible mid-range jumper, went back on defense, the balls get a stop, then they get out into a transition, and for whatever reason, Denzel Valentine decides to throw behind the back pass to Daniel Tice in the corner. And um, the the pass did hit Daniel Tice, but then obviously Denzel Valentine keeps running through and uh, gets called for an offensive foul. So in the space of literally 25 seconds, two absolutely boneheaded plays and uh, Billy Donovan pulls him, promptly pulls him out of the game and and replaces him with Ryan Archidiakno, which I thought was quite um, quite fun and interesting. But um, yeah, I thought I'd just raise that. Can I step in here for one second? Of course you can. Do you think I have a (laughs) reputation as being some this... This uh, pie in the sky Bulls fan who looks at everything rosy. Would yes. you agree? Yeah, <laughs> I would say pretty much everyone agrees with that, right? Yeah, and yet, and yet, I was disagreeing. Were you? Okay, yeah, okay. yet, okay, yet. I'd like to pour, point out the four pillars of mouth breathers. Number one, <laughs> Kirk, uh, a bull of mouth breathing Bulls fans. Kirk is the uh, one of the top seven Bulls of all time. This unbounding <laughs> love for Kirk. Number two, Tibbs is God, like Clapton is God. Tibbs is God. He can do no wrong. Should never been fired. Number three, Gar Pax was completely incompetent. They yep, never did anything outside of drafting Noah Rose, Dang Heinrich, Jimmy Butler, uh, Tibbs, uh, all that, getting Zach Levine. And number four, Valentine sucks. Those are the yep. four pillars of mouth breathers. And I'm against all four of those pillars, yet I'm branded as the dope here. Is that right? That's correct. Doug? That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> okay. Doug, do you agree with this? Do you, do you see what I'm saying here? Do you see my point? I'm not fishing for likes when I tweet stuff. Believe me, I'm not. <laughs> I, I don't even know where to go with this conversation, except that... <laughs> How about yes, Fred? I'm, I'm, you're right, I'm, I'm you're content, not fishing for likes. I'm, I'm content that Denzel Valentine will play less minutes and Troy Brown Jr. will play more minutes. 
I, I think that's a good rotational decision for the team and something they should continue. I, I mean, Denzel's not had a good year. He, he had like a good stretch for a very short part, but I mean, he's 38% from two, uh, overall 33% from three. Those aren't good numbers for a guy who's basically only useful on the offensive side of the court. Uh, he's a free agent at the end of the season and will not be back because he was on a qualifying offer. He's not restricted or anything like that. Uh, Troy Brown Jr. is actually under contract, will be part of our team for at least one more year. It's better to develop him. He might be a better player today. If not, he's not any worse of a player. Uh, he's certainly a much younger player, still at least has some potential to improve. I would definitely cut every single one of Denzel's minutes uh, in, in an effort to give them to to Brown or whomever it's else. It's clear Doug, Doug was in Cancun and missed the last two games before today because he was absolutely fantastic with the 19 points against Utah. Uh, it's um, amazing. I'm glad he had one great... fantastic game. He's still 38% I'm, on the I'm year. just so tired. I'm, I'm just so tired of saying tight ends I'm he's so tired of it. Dude, he's I had some jackass email me. You know what Denzel did after he scored the 19 points? I just stopped reading at that point, who, told him to F off. You had 19 cares? points. What are you talking about? He's a ninth guy in our rotation. Who cares? No, who cares? I mean, his season stats are what they are. So, yes, he had a good game. I'm not saying Denzel can have a good game. I'm saying overall the season, he's not been good. I mean, he just hasn't been. He, he hasn't shot up. the ball. He hasn't shot the ball great. I admit he doesn't that compared do to what he's done. Well. Yes, he does. He's he rebounds good, extremely he's fine, well. He's a fine rebounder. Rebounding he's a is fine not a, passer. He's a fine ball handler. He doesn't turn over the ball. And as a team defender, he doesn't allow backdoor cuts. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I, see, I just hope is, he's traded because I'm so sick of defending him. Well, he I'm won't so be sick. traded because he's a free agent and he's gone. <laughs> he's like, can't be I, I still want him to. Be, maybe he'll do a sign and trade. Who knows? Who, who knows what's going to happen? Maybe we could just like wave him for his own benefit and watch him get picked up by a G League. <laughs> wave him for mine. No, watch the Lakers pick him up and have him win another title. That's what oh, I think. Yeah. 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 <laughs> when did Denzel win his first title? Oh wait, you were saying Denzel. Maybe miss the summer league. The Lakers. Summer league. Summer league. <laughs> Oh, I, I got I got all right, one last point. One Drew last point. Oh, one, three stars. Qu- question for you guys. Last year, people have asked me, why do you like Tenzel so much? I, I don't know how many times I received this question. Last year, my son's travel league team, which is supposed to be the, the best talent in a team, thirty seconds left in a game, we're up by one we're, we're down by one. I call a timeout. I go, Who wants to take the game winning shot? Twelve guys on the team. Guess how many raised their hand and said, I want to take the last the game winning shot? Take a guess, Doug. How many do you think? How many of the kids? How many? I'll go with uh, three. And then Mark? I'll, I'll say one. The answer is three, officially, but I'd say only one really wanted to. The other two were half ass and they're holding up their hand. My point of the matter is Denzel Valentine's always been the guy who raises his hand. He's got that irrational confidence, and I'd rather have that in a player than a guy who's scared of the moment, and it still exists. I think that's in general the truth, even in the NBA today. Guys are afraid to make mistakes, and you see it when guys like Ryan A. pass up wide-open jumper after wide-open jumper. When Sato passes when he's wide open, they don't want to make the mistake that costs the game. And that's why I like Denzel Valentine. He's not afraid to to lose the game. <laughs> you, you, you like him because he's prepared to lose the game and correct turnovers and just be... He doesn't... Just a terrible basketball player. I probably lost about 500 followers, I imagine, in, over the past no, five if, minutes. If only. Somehow you have 7,000 people following you, and that annoys me every single day. But uh, just, just by uh, just by a chance, Fred, is that, that kid in your son's travel team that put his hand up to, to be the next Denzel Valentine, like, was that kid also wanting to be a terrible rapper as well, just by chance? Was, was, was he your son? I'm well, not going to answer son, Does your son ben, have irrational confidence? Ben, ben named after Ben Gordon was one of the three guys that that did raise his hand, but I wasn't sure he was really wanting it. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Have, Anyhow, he did take the shot. basketball with, with Fred, I can say that Fred has irrational confidence. <laughs> that is not time, surprising. Fred is confidence. Not surprising Bill Weddington's got a great quote on that. When Fred ran, ran down in a scrimmage and took a shot with, with the Bulls, with no oh, rebounders yeah. under there. And uh, Bill Wennington goes, I can tell why you like Ben Gordon so much. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that story, Mark? I can't believe uh, I never you've told, told me, you that story. you told me a number of stories before. It was a, it was a 35-footer. I thought I, was, I thought I was going in. Anyhow. What, yeah, what are so we you, talking about now? I'm so angry after this Valentine stuff. I don't know why. Well, look, How do you even defend this guy? Like, so for so I don't long. Know. Like, I, I just don't know. I just like, outline why. I just told a whole story about I, it. I, yeah, Do I, I got to repeat it? No, you don't. I just like, how does anyone care so much about Denzel Valentine? 
It would well, be I, like I if someone irrationally cared about Ryan Archie Diacono that much. And was just like, I'm <laughs> who just would gonna, do that? I'm just going to stop Ryan Archie Diacono <laughs> forever. Like, and, and like just to an irrational point where it's like, just he's not good enough for anyone to care this much. Like, <laughs> it's like, no kind of like this my, big of a fan. It's like you're, I, it's like the people who love Kirk Heimrich so much. Like, like Denzel's way worse than Heimrich, and, and you love him as much as the that. Heimrich fans. Like, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's it's crazy. We need an intervention at some point, I feel. It's not an intervention. I just, I don't like when people rip on him, and Mark's constantly fishing for likes with the Denzel comments, <laughs> and I'm going to jump in and defend him. All That's right, all I'm it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mark. Enough, well, enough about this. Brought, we probably lost the whole up. audience. Yeah, Well, go on. to be fair, I, I brought it up. I brought the Denzel <laughs> thing did. up. And, um, the coming. reason why I did, and it's not it's not because I'm fishing for likes on the Denzel hate. It's, for, it's because I'm fishing for your irrational... Uh, Love? The amount of, well, no, definitely not, definitely not love, but not that either. The, the amount of passion that you bring to the whole Denzel thing, I'll call it passion, but really it's just, you know, psychotic behavior and the amount of arguing and yelling that you bring. This last 10 minutes, I'm sure the listeners are probably listening at this point, but um, <laughs> if I'm fishing for anything, Fred, it's fishing for you getting mad and um, getting, uh, you getting just, just going crazy. So I think I've done well, that worked. pretty well in yeah. that sense. Good job. I was going to bring up um, the start Sato movement, but in the interest of time, I, I don't think I have any ability. Uh, I don't have the ability to keep going and to keep punishing the listeners because I'm sure that's another topic as well that would uh, make you very angry as well, given that you're not a big Sato fan. But shout out to Tom- Tomas Sadoransky, 19 points, 11 assists against the Brooklyn Nets has been fantastic since moving into uh, the starting point guard position. But um, look, we'll call it there. I've, I've done what I wanted to do, and that was to get Fred irrationally mad, to, to get Doug and uh, myself yelling at Fred. And I think I've done a pretty good job of that. So uh, thank you both for coming on Paul's HQ. This was certainly an experience. Uh, before I let you get away, both tell the listeners where they can follow you online. I'm sure they're already doing so. Like I said, there's 7,000 people out there some for some reason following Fred. But uh, Doug, Fred, tell the people where they can follow you online. Uh, first, I think you got to go back and edit a warning at the beginning of the show. Like just it starts off <laughs> slow, but turn your volume down. Just, just turn <laughs> yeah, it down enough. for later. Uh, yeah, you can, can find me on probably the best place to talk bulls with me is I'm Real GM uh, forums, but uh, also on Twitter under Doug, Doug underscore Tonus. Uh, yes, of course. You can follow me on Bulls Twitter. That's where I live. That's where all my thoughts, uh, thoughts and hopes and dreams uh, can be found. And uh, I, I'm always eager to get in any debate. And uh, whether it's about, you know, I'm not even going to mention what it's about because we all know what 95% of them are about. <laughs> but uh, the Chicago Bullseye and, of course, the Big Red Bus with Doug Tonus. We do it weekly. And uh, and see in the uh, Knights at the Round Ball Table, which is another great show. We just got plenty of Bulls knowledge here. And I do got to say, this has been a real enjoyable episode with the two legends and Mark. I'm really, I, I can't thank you enough for having us on, buddy. And, uh, you know, it's always good to talk basketball. I know you're I know you, you're doing it on purpose to get me upset. And it worked, and I fell for it. I stepped yeah. in the bear trap. But uh, <laughs> luckily, you know, big picture, Denzel will be gone next year. I think the big, you know, I, I think we're both in agreement. There are great things for this team in my prediction of 20. 23 title is still within sight i think it's entirely possible that will happen yes definitely entirely possible yes of course of course but um look i appreciate you both for stopping by um it's always fun talking to you both this was a fun chaotic podcast i generally try to keep things even cute on this show but um you know whenever fred's on whenever i can get doug on too and uh get play each other off you off each other essentially it's uh it's always fun so this was a lot of fun for me hopefully the listeners if they remain tuning in and didn't necessarily tune out and turn this podcast away unsubscribe for bulls hq do all that sort of thing (laughs) hopefully they enjoy this one but um whilst you're out there following fred and doug online you can follow me too on twitter too at mk hoops follow the podcast on twitter as well at bulls hq pod if you want to be part of the bulls hq discord shoot me a dm on twitter and i will drop you an invite to that specific discord uh, i've also launched a bulls hq substack page bullshqs.substack.com if you want to catch up on any writing that i do which isn't a lot these days but if i do you can you can follow on there you can um, subscribe and you'll get that in your email whenever i do post some something on that substack page but um with those plugs out of the way let's call it a podcast there i think we all need to take a breather i think fred's uh blood pressure has risen to a, a just an astronomical level and we need to calm him down so let's call it a podcast there 
always appreciate Doug for joining the show. I, I always, you know, for years have appreciated his insights. And uh, Fred, uh, I suppose he was also here too. But um, <laughs> so, so thank you to Fred. Thank Very you to, to Doug <laughs> for jumping on the show. But most importantly, thank you for tuning into Bulls HQ and supporting the show. If you like what you're hearing, well, help out your favorite Australian Bulls podcast by heading over to iTunes and giving the show a five-star review and maybe more importantly, spreading the word and telling your mates about Bulls HQ. Tell them to tune in. That would be a huge help. But uh, that'll just about do it for today, folks. Thank you for tuning into Bulls HQ. We'll be back later in the week. Speak then. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.